listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. So this is our last Sunday in this series, Know and Be Known, which corresponds with the church calendar of Epiphany. And it's a day that I love for so many reasons. Uh, The church calls this day the day of the transfiguration, uh, marking that moment in the gospel stories where uh, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain and he's transfigured. He kind of becomes this kind of light and they see uh, Moses and Elijah with him. I like it for a number of reasons, and today we are also celebrating the baptism of of three of our fellow Oasians. And so there's hardly a thing that a minister enjoys more than baptism. I mean, preaching's great, and I, I, I love coming to the table. Certainly, uh, baby dedications are wonderful. Um, There are other things, of course, that come along in the life of the church, in the life in our lives. Uh, Sickness, which we're not as fond of, of course, or uh, when someone passes away. Um, It's it's a time, you know, to be with family, and and I cherish that, but we, you know, we grieve those loss. But baptism, I mean, baptism is like the birth, you know, kind of coming up out of the water. It's such a wonderful time. And I think today, the Day of Transfiguration, is such a wonderful day on which to be baptized. Because twice in the Gospels, we hear a voice from the cloud speak to Jesus. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. It happens at his baptism, right? He goes down in the water, and as he comes up, a voice from heaven says, This is my son. And then the second time is at the Transfiguration. When uh, Peter, James, and John were there and they saw this kind of transfiguration of Jesus, they heard a voice from the cloud saying just that. Except this time it added a phrase. It says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased, listen to him. And so it's like an additional kind of instruction. It's not just the revelation of Epiphany. It's not just, hey, this is who Jesus is. It's also giving us some instruction as to what to do, to listen to him, to follow him, to, to um, be his disciple, to, to live his way of living. So I think there's a lot, a lot to be said there. Part of it is this. We do a pretty good job, I think, at Oasis talking about baptism as kind of coming public with our faith. And I think that is a big part of it. Like, baptism is something that we're engaging in. We're making a choice to follow Jesus. And the baptism itself is a kind of public proclamation of that. Like, Jesus was baptized, and so we're being identified with Jesus in our baptism. Something else is also going on with baptism that I think perhaps we need to underscore a bit more. And this is true of everything in the Christian life. What we do, our practices, coming to church, singing, giving, receiving communion, fellowshipping with one another, kind of serving uh, nights and weekends, like every Christian activity, 
is not reducible just to what we do. If that were the case, we would just be a civic club. Like we'd be like the Lions Club who buy, you know, glasses for, for kids. Or we'd be like the Rotary or the Kiwanis or somebody else. I don't know. I was trying to think of other civic groups. But that's not, we're not reducible to that. Like every Christian thing is first and foremost the work of God. It's what God is doing in us. So that even in our songs, in our prayers, in our worship, hopefully in, their, in our sermons, certainly coming to the table, our very salvation is not work that we do. We don't save ourselves. It's the work that God does. And baptism, of course, is an expression of this. If baptism was just going public with our faith, you could baptize yourself. I baptized myself today, right? Which, interestingly enough, was a Jewish practice for a while. It was a form, they didn't just do it once. It wasn't kind of a, a single thing to kind of launch them into their faith. It was a regular occurrence that represented kind of cleansing. They had these pools, they were called mikvahs, and they had steps on one end, and you would kind of walk down into the water, and then you'd turn around and you'd walk up, up out of the water, and you would do that before you went into the temple, kind of baptize yourself. But that's not Christian baptism, right? Our baptism follows the baptism of John, where someone else baptizes you. And the person who's baptizing you, in this case, is kind of representing Christ. And they're baptizing you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when that's done, there's this expectation that the person who's being baptized is making a profession of faith. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, descended to the dead, uh, was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from which he will come to judge the quick and the dead. Yes, I believe. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting? Yes, I believe. Do you also kind of renounce the evil one in all of his ways? Do you declare that you belong to Christ and so you will follow him? Th these are your kind of baptismal vows. So like in a Christian wedding, right, you, you come. A wedding is a, is a worship service. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it that kind of are outside the church. But in a church, a wedding is just a very formal worship service. Uh, two people come and stand before a minister and they make vows to one another. Scripture is read, right? And, and uh, the, the, the marriage is kind of made, kind of right there in the ceremony. And so at a baptism, like today, we're going to celebrate baptism. For those of you who are not being baptized, which are most of us in the room, right? There's only three of us being baptized. For those of us who are not being baptized, we're not merely spectators. Like, you can be a spectator at um, a sporting event. 
You're not just a spectator at a baptism, though, any more than you're just a spectator here today. But you are witnesses. You're bearing witness to what's happening in their lives. They're being baptized into the body of Christ in which you have been baptized into. Those of you who have been baptized, right? And so you've been baptized in the body of Christ. They're being baptized into the body of Christ so that we are all there in Christ. And as you bear witness to their baptism, the idea behind it is that you would recommit to your baptismal vows. So these people today are being asked, do you believe in Jesus and do you renounce evil? And they're going to say yes. But the question really is for you to remember that time in your life and to recommit that in your life. Uh, and best case scenarios, that would also take place at weddings. Like if you were to attend a wedding, you shouldn't just attend it as a spectator. But as a Christian, you should attend the wedding. You should hear those vows and in doing so, recommit to your own. That's, that's the practice that we're always in this together. We are never in this alone. We're never in this alone because God is always with us and we're never in this alone because we are always with God and with and for one another. Amen. Christianity is not a solo sport. It's, it's a team sport, so to speak. And it's, it's not for spectators. It's for participants and for witnesses. And that's who we are. There's another thing that I, I love about this idea. So that in the baptism, it's me saying yes to Jesus, but it is also Jesus saying yes to me. It's the work of God that's happening in the baptism. That God is with us. Which I think is the beauty of the transfiguration. The transfiguration is for all intensive purposes useless. Like, what does it do? There for a little bit, on a mountain, Jesus started to glow. I mean, I guess if he was constantly glowing, it would be good like in the dark, like getting around. But there, <laughs> there are certain things about Christianity that, that are kind of useless. Like the doctrine of the Trinity. That's a confusing one. Like theology math, right? We believe in one God and there's three, but they're one. But they're Father, Son, and Spirit. And you add them all together and you get one. So one plus one plus one equals one. The Trinity is true. But it doesn't do something for you. It's true. It's, it's, it's God being revealed. No one's healed in the transfiguration. No one's fed in the transfiguration. No demons are exercised at the transfiguration. So what does it do? The transfiguration shows us that above all else, God wants to be with us. God is moving heaven and hell to come to us. We often get in the way ourselves, and God so loves us that he'll nurture us and woo us to kind of get ourselves out of the way 
in order to be with us. That's the beauty, I think, of Transfiguration Sunday. That's the way Epiphany ends. God loves you more than you'll ever realize. And more than anything else, God wants to be with you. And in our baptisms, in a way, is a response. Is a response to that love. That we too want to be with God. And we can trust that God is with us. And in the same way that the voice from heaven spoke of Jesus as the beloved son. I think too, we then identify with Jesus becoming children of God. So that God too says of us, look, it's my beloved. It's the one in whom I'm well pleased. And this, my friends, is a revelation. It's a gift. It's an epiphany. You, you, can't, you can't do it yourself. You, you can't even just think about it right. It's not a matter of just like getting all your thoughts right. Like I, I, want, I want to read. Uh, Peter was writing about this event later. It's in, it's in the second epistle of Peter, uh, Second Peter, chapter 1. Verses 16 through 21, Peter is writing to the church, um, I believe, in Rome. I should know that. He's writing to a church. <laughs> Doesn't matter for my point here. And this is what he says. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed you will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First, all of you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. There's, there's times in which voices come from heaven. Scripture will talk about it. And some will say they heard from God. And others will say that sounded like thunder. They, they didn't hear it. They heard thunder, not the voice of God. Sometimes God will move in Scripture and some will say, how is it that we all hear in our own language uh, the mighty works of God? And others say, uh, I think these folks are drunk, and it's early in the morning. If we were standing, if Jesus of Nazareth was standing with me here today, I could only know him as the Christ, as the Son of God, by faith. It's not a matter of fact. It's a matter of faith. It's a revelation. It's an epiphany, and that is a gift of God. So if you have it, celebrate that it's been given and if you don't have it, or maybe someone you love isn't currently experiencing it, don't fret. It's not something they have to, get, they have to do to get it. We trust in God. 
that God will reveal, that God will give. And then we do our best to respond as we can, which is what we're doing, what, what our sisters are doing today as they come to baptism. We're going to come, servers are going to come now, and we're going to receive communion uh, before the baptismal service. This, too, is one of those kind of just great mysteries. I mean, how is it that eating a bit of cracker and drinking a bit of juice could have any effect in our lives whatsoever? Like baptism, it's something that we do because we were told to do. Like baptism, it's something that it's not reducible just to what we do, but what God is doing in it. For if God is not in it, this is hardly a snack. But if God is in it, then it's nourishment for our very souls. And that's what we have faith to believe. And even if, as we're together, sometimes you don't have faith, you have doubt, don't even fret that. Because sometimes I have doubt. But if I doubt sometimes and you believe, I can live by your faith and vice versa. Sometimes if you doubt and I believe, you can live by my faith. On another mountain, it's not the mountain of transfiguration, though it might have been the very same mountain. On a mountain, it says in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been already been crucified, he's been resurrected, and he's standing before the apostles. This is the resurrected Jesus standing before the apostles. It's in Matthew 28. You can read it on your own later. And it says this, that some worshipped and some doubted. Who in the world is doubting as they look at the resurrected Jesus. Like, surely we wouldn't have done that. But yet God can do all sorts of things. And if we don't have the eyes of faith or the ears of faith, we just don't realize it. God speaks from the cloud, and some hear the voice of God, and others hear thunder. And, and it's not like I think there, that we always hear the voice of God or we always hear thunder. I think I find in my own life anyway that I'm sometimes one of those others, right? Like sometimes I'm the one who's doubting and sometimes I'm the one who's worshiping. And that's why coming together is so important and being faithful to these very things, which we try our best to do here. This is the table of the Lord. Not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that you want him and should meet him here. So, Lord God Almighty, we ask you that you would pour out your spirit on these gifts and make them the body and blood of Christ and make us, through them, Christ's living body alive in the world. 
Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one loaf. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of God's word and Holy Spirit. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.